Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Before we jump into our topic today, I wanted to make sure to let you know that I've got an attachment quiz coming up that I will be sharing for everyone to know a little bit more about their attachment style and maybe learn about their partner's or potential suitor's um, attachment style as well. So make sure that you join the email list by clicking the link in the show notes and keep an eye out for that. So today we're talking about how to identify red flags in our relationships, okay? We're going to talk about a few ways to be able to spot these things early on and essentially be able to avoid them becoming problematic in your life and in your relationships. So, you know, knowing your own attachment style is really helpful in this because it'll be able to allow you to pinpoint what would be triggering for you, what would be a red red flag for you in your dating relationships. So you want to be doing your own work, whether that means you're, you know, going to therapy, reading, writing, um, you know, whatever that soul searching and that learning about yourself, personal growth journey looks like for you. So you want to be doing your own work. Now, as you are, you know, walking through life and meeting different people, meeting potential suitors and things like that, you want to be able to have as clear a lens on as possible which is easier said than done because dating inherently is emotional, right? So our logical brain and our emotional brain are two completely different things. When one is high, the other is typically low, right? So when we get flooded, right? When someone gets really mad to the point that they now act differently than they would if they were not emotional, right? The emotion is so high that it, you know, pretty much overrides logic. And some people are so logical, right? If they cut their emotions off, if they have a tendency to, uh, I don't know if I want to say numb, but cap their feelings out that they are logical in a situation and the emotion can't be let in. So one, one is high, the other is low, typically. When logic is high, emotion is low. And when emotion is high, logic has a tendency to be low. When we're dating, we want to have a good balance of both, right? Love is wonderful. It's great. It's fabulous. But at the same time, uh, relationships can't just sustain on love alone. So that's why it's good to vet your partners. Now, you want to be vetting them with people that you trust, that you know have your best interest at heart, that you know ain't bitter out here uh, plotting on your downfall, okay, um, <laughs> that are doing their own work uh, so that you can trust that what they say and what they see in the situation is coming from as pure a place as possible, okay? So you want to be vetting people that you are potentially dating um, so that your relationship is not in a vacuum and then all of a sudden you're engaged and people are like, hey, didn't you notice this, this, or that. Um, So you want to have an advisory board or some kind of dating board that you can vet people through. Now, red flags could be things that seem mundane at first, if that makes sense. So communication errors, that's normal. Lots of people are, are still learning how to communicate effectively. When emotion is high, it's more challenging to communicate, um, you know, with efficiency because of how we feel. 
Now, if you see a pattern, anything, any of these red flags are going to come with whether you see a pattern of behavior. If you see a pattern of a lack of communication or an inability to communicate, that is a signal of something. It doesn't mean cut them off and run in the complete other direction. It just means it's something that needs attention and maybe needs to be focused on and addressed in whatever way, if that's therapy, conversations, having mentors as couples, um, things like that. If you notice a pattern of behavior of irresponsibility, immaturity, and unpredictability, right? Now, what seems like spontaneity in the beginning of a relationship, which could be fun if you're highly structured and really appreciate control, meeting someone who's spontaneous can bring some joy and spice things up for you. However, in the long run, if there is no level of stability in that person's behavior and presentation, then it's going to become something that's an issue later, oftentimes, okay? Uh, If there's a pattern that this person lacks trustworthiness, okay, we're talking about patterns. If they over and over again present in a way that indicates to you that you can't trust them or that if they tell you a story and they're talking about a situation they were in that seems like, hmm, why... Why are they acting like that? You know, if you, you have to be looking outside of just with you and each other. You also want to be vetting their people. You want to vet their family and friends because you're also going to be able to collect data in that process. Um, now, if there's anything such as like controlling behavior, a pattern of your partner trying to control what you do, where, say, go, eat, sleep, whatever the case may be, that could be something to keep an eye out for and to figure out how and, you know, how you want to do and deal with that because that could become problematic at some point in the relationship. You may be a person that kind of, I don't want to say folds now, but uh, that is able to compromise now, but what if you're not able to compromise down the line and what will that look like in your relationship? Um, If there's a pattern of serious insecurity in the relationship that can be a challenge to overcome all of these things that i'm mentioning just because something's a red flag doesn't mean that it's insurmountable it just means it's something that has to be worked on given attention to and focused for healing right just because someone breaks a bone doesn't mean they'll never walk again it means that we need to reset the bone we need to do some physical therapy and things like that so please don't take any of these as like you know death sentences for the relationship um, now you want to also think about how they talk about other people, how they interact with other people, how they handle pressure. So while you're dating, I think dating as far as activities go is really great because if you're doing mini golf as a date and the person loses and they throw the club across the place, then that gives you some insight. <laughs> if they can laugh it off or whatever, then that also gives you insight. So these are just some ways to keep an eye out for what some people would call red flags, which is really just feedback and understanding the complexity of relationships and where your relationship might need some love and support in order to thrive. Or, you know, if those things are deal breakers or or things that you don't want to deal with, how you can spot them early. Jay Shetty said on Instagram, best dating advice I ever got from moms. The sign you ignore in the beginning just end up being the reason you leave later. You know right away who is good or bad for you. Don't ignore that. 
So you know, you know, to some extent, you get a feeling, you get some kind of intuition about a situation and you get to choose whether you're going to follow that or whether you're not and whether you're going to get support to at least see if you can work through it together or maybe it's not a situation that you want to keep uh, yourself in. And it's tough. It's much easier said than done, but hopefully this helps you in gaining insight on how to date in a way that's more helpful and supportive of your healing overall. And I look forward to continuing to support you moving forward until next time, gems. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you. Hello, Nina. How are you? Girl, listen, I'm trying to fight off anxiety attacks all day, every day. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Life is, it's weird though. It's like things are good, but they're not good. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's a weird, it's a weird place to live in. But, you know, we wake up, we do our best, we go to sleep, repeat. Exactly. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, same thing. Wake up, work, <laughs> repeat, going through well, the Right. I appreciate you so much for taking some time out to chat. Um, you know, like I mentioned in the email, I'm a, a therapist by trade, and my p- practice focuses heavily on working with women of color on, you know, anxiety, depression, trauma recovery, life being hard. Um oh. and so the podcast was really bred out of just wanting to have a place where information could live beyond our sessions um and so I also for whatever reason I don't know if it's because of my background but I have a lot of young women who are also creative I think everyone's creative on some level yeah Um, and just how to help them be able to cultivate creativity in their lives and allow that to be something that helps them to heal um And so I think being able to have conversations around how other women are, are doing that in some way, shape or form in their life. Yeah. um, It's great for them to be able to hear about, you know? Definitely. Definitely. I love to hear that. I love, I, oh, I can't wait to see what's next for what you're doing. Exciting. It's good. It's good work. Um, So, you know, we're just going to have an organic conversation. I love a good organic chat and see where it leads us I know that when I emailed you I mentioned getting in the room because I had saw I see you I saw you on the live with black woman film I think it was mm-hmm. um and you were talking about getting in the room but it hit me a little bit different because I'm I'm thinking like in life right like you're trying yeah. to get in the room in your life. <laughs> it's a literal and figurative sense <laughs> for sure so um, what I want to do, because I want to respect your time, interviews are typically, depending on how long they go, range from 30 minutes to some of them have been an hour if it's just been that amazing. But I yeah, want to no ask, problem. you know, how much time do you have? What a, however, my, I, I don't have an obligation until seven. So however much time you, you want to go, we can just go with the flow and, you know. <laughs> cool. So um, outside of that, do you have any questions for me or anything like that? No, I, I, 
I know what because I know it like LFMMT. My mom's a therapist and a social worker, and I, oh. I don't know how I like let that slide one in the email and didn't recognize that. I'm, <laughs> now I'm like so intrigued. I I love to hear about it. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So you know, and you're based um, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Is there a high population of, of black women there? Yeah. Oh, sure. okay. Yeah, there's a bit, but there's not, oh, as you can imagine, right? Like, there's not a lot of women, of Black women that are therapists here. There are yeah. few, but to the population, like, it's, you know, slim to none, which is tough um, on the therapist side, because then it's like, can't see everybody, you know? It's just really yeah. hard. Um, and just trying to get people connected with the right resources, and, and fit is really important, so it's like, you know, there's a lot of layers, but um, yeah. just doing my best to, like, how can I serve more, and just be a vessel for information to get out, and to put my knowledge to work beyond just the sessions that I do, and so this is one of those things. So have you been doing virtual before virtual started with, like, corona? Yeah, I had already done virtual prior to I was on okay. better help. And um, some of my clients, if I had seen them, and then they moved or something, then I would continue to see them from oh, time nice. to time. Um, so I was already kind of aware and, and privy to how to do telehealth. But now I'm exclusively telehealth, because I'm just trying to make life easy for others and, and for myself, just like cut myself out as someone who might add risk in any way, shape or form. So I have been virtual since March and it's, it's, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. you. It's nice that we have the technology, but, um, you know, I also, it was also, life was nice before too. So yeah, there's pros and cons. Definitely. Well, yes, again, you know, just appreciate you for for taking the time um and I think it'll be a really great conversation and we can just see where it goes because I know that I also saw that you was it that you studied abroad or you lived in South Africa yeah I it was um a summer during grad school but I lived there for about three months and um started a documentary but the experience just in general um I actually it's so funny that you mentioned that because I was just speaking to my friend um today on WhatsApp who was in South Africa she's this one black woman that I befriended mm-hmm. she's colored and we started the documentary together kind of um never actually finished it but what I got from it was so much bigger than the documentary in terms of like our relationship um I encouraged her and she started this garden in her township and she's able to like um the kids all call her like Auntie Janine and they all come to her garden every day and they learn how to grow I know just like literally sowing those seeds into into the youth and actually providing food in the community especially now during corona I just like donated a, a, some more money just because it's it's so difficult out there like if you can imagine mm. how difficult it is here like so many people who've lost their jobs here it's like 10 mm. you know it's it's te- it's 10 times worse there in in some of the I mean because South Africa is very much you know, uh, Western, yeah. Eastern, British. <laughs> yeah, girl. At the same time, but, you know, living in the township that she lives in, it's it's really rough right now. And, and that garden is actually, like, really providing fresh food to some of the, the community, but more importantly, just teaching 
these uh, children how to go back to their homes and, and actually, you know, plant and garden and, and produce their own. So I feel like that what came out of our relationship is so much bigger than the documentary we were actually starting. But um, yeah, she's great. South Africa was great. I, I, I have, a, it's like a special place in my heart. It's probably like my second, second home. Um, and yeah, I, I so much enjoy. I mean, it was a difficult experience because I, I think I was, 20 how old was I like maybe 23 and I was expecting like to land in the motherland and be like welcomed Mm -hmm. by everyone and and you know I didn't realize kind of the the separation the dichotomy between you know black colored white and the race relations are a little uh different there and so when I got there I was expecting to be so embraced and it was Mm -hmm. at the at the company I was working with that was not my experience but eventually you know we got to share our different truths and they got to understand me because you know a a lot of Americans have very bad connotations there it's like you know we're seen as just like greedy and (laughs) I can understand especially now in 2020 why uh we would have that connotation but um yeah it was like a it was a learning experience and um by the time my process was over, I did not want to come home. <laughs> Listen, you yeah. know what's crazy that you mentioned that because my cousin lives in South Africa. Oh, that's so awesome. We're Ugandan, but he married a South African woman. And so oh, wow. we went for his wedding in 2014. And it's so crazy that you say that because I swear to you, we had the same experience. Because that was the mm. first time that was like my birthright trip going back. Yeah, I was born there, but I grew up in the States and hadn't been back until I went back at 24. Wow. And so my, my cousin and I, when we got there, we thought it was going to be, what's that movie? Blended? You know how in Blended, it's like <laughs> they go there and it's, there's this huge welcome yep. and there's music. And, and so, so we many like, movies okay, like, depicted that way. We're going to Africa and it's going to be <laughs> great. And like everyone's going to, like it's going to be a party. And we get to South Africa first before we went to Uganda. Yeah. And we're like, it's like crickets. And we're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle. I, I was so disappointed. But, you know, it, and it's it's just so interesting. But it's I, I love that you mentioned that because that's the same experience that we had. And my partner, actually, he lived there for three years doing some work. And so that's that's like his second home. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So yeah. it's 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 something. Yeah, it's really something. But I love that you've, you know, touched down on the continent and, and had the experience and and enjoyed it because it's something different when you actually go there and see you know it, it really is and it's it's just you know they're they're very skeptical of us like Americans and just the you know mm-hmm. it, like in some cases you'll find people who be like oh my gosh it, who like so so much glamorized like the western culture that they're just so excited to meet an American then you have people who are just very skeptical of, of African Americans there so it's all about building those experiences and relationships and going from there because now I'm like that's home for me <laughs> like I just went yes. back my husband and I went um it was his first time uh last year in November and we had the best time and I'm just I just felt like I was going home um so that was nice that was nice I love it. So what we'll do is we'll take a quick pause for editing purposes, and then I will kind of 
have you um, I'll lead you in by saying something like welcome to the show let me know a little bit about who you are and what you do and then you can kind of just begin to share and from that I'll just pull some nuggets from what you say and maybe introduce or interweave the topic of getting in the room into the conversation and we'll just go from there of course all right let me make sure I'm recording in multiple places because the devil is alive (laughs) I hear you I know it's funny you say that the the black women in film um live she actually didn't record it and so all my family the people who like were working during live they're like wait where is the video and I'm like well she I don't think she recorded she caught the recording before it cut us off and it never never got saved at all I went back to look for it and I was like (laughs) I know this I know I'm not crazy I know this happened (laughs) but Instagram be playing too so I know it's the worst anywho oh my gosh uh make sure i'm recording and then we'll take our quick pause real quick mm-hmm. welcome to the show so go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do hi i'm nina gloucester burrell i am a television and film writer so essentially i write for um a couple of different television shows but also um have written my own feature uh and i'm currently writing a feature for amazon um and that is yeah that is that's what i do so i'm really excited to have you on the show today because a lot of the listeners are young creatives and you know i think creativity can be something that's a skill we can tap into to help us heal to express ourselves yeah and to really just share our ideas and our knowledge with the world and so i would love to maybe hear about like How is it like, is that how you find it for yourself? Or do you feel like, you know, professionally, it's kind of like what you do for work, but doesn't necessarily have that connection? See, that's the tricky thing. You know, writing essentially is just like a very creative, uh, you know, trade. It's a very, most of us are all just like very much creative. So when you put it into an industry that's just like, capitalize so much and you have these crazy deadlines and um it starts to make this like beautiful hobby that you have that actually is like an outlet and sometimes it can make it very just anxiety provoking and take all the the joy out of it to be honest sometimes um I find that a little bit with television versus film because You know, when you're in television, you're working in a room, uh, you have these very strict deadlines. When you're out on script, you have to have your outline in two days. You have to rewrite if the showrunner has an issue with something. It, it, it's very, yeah, it's very weird because it's such a go with the flow hobby. When you think about it, some people do just like creative writing when they're stressed. And so to take that and make it into a career, sometimes you are you know, stripping it of its, uh, the freedom, you know? And so sometimes you have to take, take space to, that's why right now is actually nice, um, for, for me, for work, uh, just because I'm able to kind of work on my own time and I'm able to give myself whatever breaks I feel my brain needs. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's, it's a back and forth for me. It's sometimes it's, it's very much, a stress reliever sometimes is very much healing and sometimes it is very much anxiety provoking and uh I can just start it it can start driving me crazy when I'm really on like a strict deadline I hear you you mentioned 
you know, when you're working on TV that you you're in a room and you're writing, you have deadlines and things like that. And I remember when I first, you know, saw you on Black Women Film, you mentioned getting in the room and, you know, you were talking about, you know, actually getting in the room, you know, with other writers, I assume, and things like that. But it, it to me, kind of spoke to how in life, you know, we're trying to get in a room, whether it's fitting in yeah. or it's be- being seen or we think that we need to get a certain level of of a position or something like that. Yeah, and how that the really table. Resonates. So for you, do you real like, do you see that people struggle with, you know, trying to get in a room, but maybe realize like, how do you even know that's the room you want to be in, you know? Oh, Lord, everybody. Um, I mean, working on someone else's, I mean, because it's it essentially it's someone else's idea and you're you're working to as a team. It's more like television is more of a team sport and feature the feature world is more um, just the free the, the freedom to create what you see in your vi- what you're visualizing and what um, your perspective is so that that's the difference between the two. So when you're doing a team, so I mean, essentially you're bringing somebody else's idea to life. It's not your own and you want, you know, you're working as a teammate and you want to work together to make the best of whatever it is, whether or not you like that you're, you love the idea, <laughs> whether or not, I mean, you, if things that you don't love, of course you fight in the room to argue why it's, you know, not a good depiction or, um, characters aren't sound or complex enough or too archetypical or stereotypical so you know it, it it comes with its own it's like you're in a room you're working with maybe between two to 11 other writers every day you're having to break story every day which is like imagine just kind of being stuck in a room trying to figure things out all day talking your job is to literally talk through story all day long so it can get very taxing, but um, it can also be um, a, a great p- process if you're in a, a, a group with like-minded people, not necessarily, you know, all Black women, but just people who can understand um, the same vision and actually uh, respect each other's ideas. And so when you're working in like a great room like that, sometimes it can be wonderful and sometimes that can be um a healing tool in itself and just like a stress reliever also. So it just all depends on what, what, what cards you're dealt. <laughs> and eventually you get to a place, like I mentioned in black on film where you can choose, you can really choose uh, and reject certain shows and say, I don't want to go in that direction. I don't, that's not something that I really want to work on um, early in your career. You won't find too many people that are willing to do that because <laughs> you're trying to make it. And like we said, like literally and figuratively get a seat at the table. But um, you know, eventually you start being able to say, this isn't really my voice. This isn't really something that I want to sit in a room for 10 hours a day and work with people breaking story about. <laughs> I love it. So I, I wonder a little bit about, you know, what you've learned or how your experiences have shaped, you know, how you your perspective or or, or how they've helped you to grow to this point, you know, this process of, um working collaboratively with other people to make stories come to light um are there certain lessons that you've learned in that process um 
to speak up um, because when I was uh, a writer's assistant, I mentioned in, in the live, I was like very audacious. I, I would speak out against whatever subject matter I felt was inauthentic um, because, you know, like I said, the, the room season one did not necessarily reflect the show. It was, there were a lot of white males working in the show, you know, was about three black cool two black one white young millennial girls trying to make it in the music industry and so you know we're dealing with very serious subject matter like in actually giving some of these voices um a chance for the first time in television we worked with um you know transgender actress amaya we worked with um you know blm storylines we worked with uh, stories about uh, Simone and her sexuality. So all of these, you know, though it was a very fun, soapy, um, funny show, it was done in a very entertaining way. We were tackling a lot of important issues. So, you know, I was <laughs> not afraid to speak out when I thought, you know, things were either taking a very stereotypical turn, whether or not I felt like things were inauthentic, I would, I would say it. And um, I would have to say that that's probably some, the reason why I got staffed on that show is because, you know, when you realize you can trust that person's voice and, and they know, you know, this is their world and they're willing to speak up about it. And, and like I said, claiming, claiming your space, that's, that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that I went through in getting the seat at the table is claiming my space and knowing that I'm here for a reason and that what I have to say um, will benefit the room and having confidence in that. You know, there are a couple of things that you mentioned that really stuck out to me. You mentioned authenticity a couple of times, more than once. And so I feel like people struggle with showing up as themselves in settings where they like they feel like maybe they're not going to be accepted yeah for sure and then that leads to them kind of cutting themselves down before they even give themselves a shot you know what I mean essentially you have to stand up for yourself or you have to speak up for yourself in order to be authentic speaking up doesn't mean verbally it might be how you present it might be you know what you say but I love that you mentioned that well, yeah, and but in this sense, it does literally mean speaking up because that's that's your job. You, you're getting paid to literally talk in a room and express your ideas. And if you don't do that, um, you know, you're you are presenting like what your value is to that show and you, you can get fired if you're not bringing anything to a show. So literally in a, in a writer's room, that is your capital, you know. Wow, that's that's. I think is so essential for life because people stay in relationships and don't speak up. People will be at jobs and not speak up and it leads to their own suffering um, because they're unable to do that. You know what I mean? Definitely. You also mentioned um, representation. I think you said, which I'm really excited that you brought up and I'm sure you have these conversations on a regular basis. Um, But the, the need to have work and, things, whatever it may be, right? But you specifically work in in writing for TV and film that you have mentioned on multiple occasions that like reflects the diversity of our population and the diversity of our experiences. And and um, for you, 
you know, what has been helpful for you to be able to kind of continue to to keep that in the forefront of your mind, maybe in a world where you say, like, maybe you're in a room with a lot of people that don't look like you or whatever the case may be. Like, what helps you to keep that um, in the forefront of your mind? Well, what people uh, don't tend to just not consider is that we as and this isn't in every industry, I feel like, to be completely honest. We're like the biggest consumers. Like black women are mm-hmm. pretty much the biggest consumers of like the popular television. Like if you if you break down kind of like because they'll do stats on like rating stats all the time. And so, you know, when you think about the fact that us as a a people are the biggest consumers but have not been represented in what we're consuming that makes absolutely no sense and you know I always mention this and this is the reason why I kind of got into film because it was important for me um especially with my experience as a young girl but you know my my thesis for life is you know how can you see your self if your mirror is shattered. So growing up as a young girl, if you're not seeing who you are, what you can be in a non-archetypical way, not the, you know, mammy, the angry black woman or the very hard, you know, woman that has no emotions and strong black woman. If you only see those very like three archetypical characters reflected as you, what how does that impact your mental how does that help you to grow because to be completely honest I mean I know people have this argument of like don't allow television to raise your kids and that's fair however we have to all be real with ourselves and television is playing a huge part in the upbringing of kids it's just that's just how it is it, it did for me I know it did for a lot of my friends um you know I wasn't super censored when I was younger but oh I'm so sorry my dog is go go um so I mean yeah I mean that's how that's how I feel I feel like it it does it affects your psyche it affects the way that you see yourself as a, a little black girl a young black woman a black woman you know and so I think that's very important yeah, you know, and I think that you people don't realize the how it affects you until for whatever reason you get some clear signs that there's a discrepancy. So, you know, I can recall a few times that like when I watched what did I watch? 13 Reasons Why. And the girl, the black girl in the show is from I think she's from Kenya or something. She's from East Africa in the show. And she was eating chapati, which as an East African person, I'm like watching this show jumping up and down on my couch because I'm yeah. like, oh my God, right. what's happening here? Like, the, I'm like, these people, like what? Like, you know what I yeah. mean? To me, it's crazy. And I didn't even know that I could have that feeling of yeah. like, being seen by yep. something yep. until it And happens. it's so small, but it means a lot. It's so small, but it means so much. Like, imagine yeah, if that was in, you know, and that's just one, that's one television show on one streaming mm-hmm. device. Like, imagine if people could see themselves the way white, white people see themselves every day in all types of different shapes and forms. Like, 
it's it's not enough that we just have like five big popular shows on television like we should be able to see ourselves just as prominently as a white man does or a white woman I love it so there was something that you had posted um that I thought was really significant you know and with everything going on um I don't want to read the whole post but if y'all ain't following uh, like her on Instagram go ahead go ahead and click on the, the link in the bio and do what you gotta do um, and so in the post, you said, you know, we're constantly on guard, bracing for the impact of the next devastation. And you said you're making a promise to yourself to give yourself the time and to put it in your work, right? So to give yourself the time to deal with what comes up for you, but also it sounds like I'm interpreting and you can correct me, um, to put all of that into your work so that it's going somewhere. Can you talk more about, you know, your headspace or what that means for you yeah no I mean um in terms of the specifically the times that we're living in now I mean I I very much live by Nina Simone's words that an artist's work should reflect the times like that that's very important whether it be race relations whether it be gender whether it be socioeconomic status whether it be political like what do you have to say? Like when you're making something, what do you have to say? That's the most important Mm. thing. Like, yes, how dynamic is your character? What does she reflect? But what do you have to say is the most important thing for me creating. And so in this time, Lord Jesus, (laughs) there's, I mean, you have to put it in. Like I I actually struggle with uh, depression and anxiety and I have found ways actually to put that in my work because why is that what it why would I take every piece of me as a black woman and express it in my art but leave that out you know Mm. like and I think that that's what happens a lot of times because we're not giving but so many chances to represent ourselves so we have to choose we have to pick and choose um just like we often have to pick and choose between being black and being a woman a lot of times that's that's you know nobody else nobody else has to in in this world but us um and so with depression and anxiety that's a part of myself that I've had to accept like this is a piece of who I am just like me being a black woman just like me being from DC just like me being from whatever background class background like that is a part of who I am and so um you know not only the art reflecting the times but like what is your voice what do you have to say um that's important to me yeah you know I think that more and more people are searching for that in some way shape or form trying to figure out what it is they have to say or they know what they have to say but how can they say it you know um more authentically in in how they just walk through their life um and I think it's so necessary because when you do that it doesn't make everything perfect but you can have resolve to some level within yourself yeah being genuine you know yeah and it's a part of healing I mean when you it's just like artists like with art like literal art uh painting like people you you can heal you can you put that stuff into your art and it's healing yeah you know and I think that you mentioned 
not leaving certain things out right and so when you include everything that makes up who you are like as if it's like a mosaic or something right yeah then then there's no space I think I feel like things thrive in darkness things thrive in isolation yeah and that's when they can really essentially I the way I put it is like attack you right like jump you in the dark and so if you pull everything out into the light and accept all yes. the pieces, even though you're still working through them, then you're able to you're able to keep it from jumping you in the dark, essentially. And you know, as a, I mean, it's crazy because all I do is have conversations. But I get yeah. nervous before every single session. I get nervous wow. before. I got. I was nervous before we were about to get on the phone, literally oh playing my some calming music. And so, <laughs> what for me, like when I think about it, I'm like, okay, I just call that thing out. Whatever that thing is, yeah. I'm gonna call it out, and it can't have control over me anymore and so I love that you mentioned you know accepting all the pieces of yourself though no none of us is perfect but when you do that and um, not try to either be perfect or come across as whatever then there's a layer of it that's the strength is taken away from it against you you know and I think that's why people are suffering so much right now because there's just, I mean, obviously, you know, as a therapist, there's a, just an inability to be able to cope. We don't have the same outlets that we have been able to in this. And it's a good thing and a bad thing. I'm, I'm very religious. So I believe that there is, a, you know, a reason for, for all mm-hmm. of this. And I think that what we're learning in the grand scheme of things is all the things that we've been taking advantage of and forgetting um, about ourselves and about uh you know, human connection. However, you know, people are suffering right now and they don't have that mechanism. They can't, they can't cope. They don't have the outlets. They don't have a human touch. Sometimes they don't have their usual, you know, Sunday dinners. They don't like that. That can be really, really um, harmful. Definitely. Yeah. I had a professor who said, you know, situations as they come up are like a snow globe. And everything settles down to the bottom. Mm -hmm. But when you pick up the snow globe and shake it, right, the snow gets all dusted up to the top. And I feel like um, for some people in this season, some people are in the season where the snow is settling. And some people, because of everything going on, they're in a season where things are shaking up. up. Yep. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to watch because you're you're trying to keep yourself sane at the same time. And it's hard to watch. And then with just just the political nature of just everything that's going on, it's just hard to wake up every day and watch what's going on around you. It's just a very, you know, this is this is our Great Depression, but in a more literal sense, like, you know, I know their Great Depression was serious. This is a huge economic crash. And, you know, but this is like. <laughs> this is a great depression on every level, whether it's political, you know, on a human level, on a, uh, you know, health level, on an economic level, like this is the great depression in my in my eyes. <laughs> it's difficult. You know, I literally tell people probably on a daily basis, like you getting up and getting out of the bed today. Kudos to you. Yeah, if you got up and you stayed in the bed today. Kudos to you. Like yeah. literally anything anything that you're doing at this time is justifiable and valid in that there's a lot going on. And I feel like people have a tendency to um, minimize their own experience and, and say like, why am I struggling or what's going on? And it's like, there's a lot happening right now. (laughs) Definitely. Existing is an act of rebellion as a black woman right now. Literally. If If you're sitting here thinking like, 
helpless because you can't do anything. You can't go out and protest. You can't, you know, you just, there's a lot that we can't do. Um, you have to remember that just like getting up in the morning, literally, and existing in this world is an act of protest for us. Yeah, you mentioned in that same post, you know, you talked about compassion and kindness with, with yourself. And I think that that's another key component of sustaining, you know, sustaining mm-hmm. what is just our existence being, you know, harmful in people's eyes or an offense in people's eyes. Um, and being able to practice more deeply you know Mm -hmm. how can we be nicer to ourselves how can we kind of be meet our needs in the best way that we possibly can in small ways so that we can sustain whatever it is that we have to do you know yeah yep do you feel oh sorry no no I said definitely do you feel like there are any like either is it rituals or practices or (laughs) you know things that you kind of do on a regular basis to help you with that yeah, uh, pray. As I said, I'm I'm very religious, so that's probably the biggest thing for me to lean on um, mm-hmm. is prayer. Um, I do have, in terms of work, <laughs> because just like you acknowledged um, in having compassion with yourself, art is a very inter- writing specifically is a very vulnerable art form of art mm-hmm. and if that is your career and you're waking up to that every day you have to have compassion with yourself because you're constantly vulnerable like imagine your career you, it's it's like being a model or a singer or like you're you're constantly mm-hmm. vulnerable and so you have to wake up every morning have some type of compassion and confidence within yourself and that has to be built sometimes like sometimes I have to set up a little you know I have to light my incense I have to light some sage I have to have my cup of tea or coffee I have to uh you know play some like music you know I have to have things done a certain way I have to be working at a certain time of day there are things that I do that I'm realizing okay this is by me doing this I'm being more gentle on myself to be more productive and then afterwards I have to be okay um watching some trash television if I want like you know a a writer's job you don't think about it's it's very much minimalized but how much you need to escape like your mind is constantly thinking there's no mundane work like if I go and this is no you know disrespect to people who work very essential jobs that are mundane like they can be very mundane but they're very essential to us but if I were to go work a nine to five and I'm filing papers and I'm doing things that are just very like robotic and routine I don't have to put so much brain power into it though I'm Mm -hmm. probably physically you know, exerting more energy. Um, it's a different muscle that you're moving, obviously. And so if your brain is constant, your mind is constantly working all day long, I have to be gentle with myself and say, it is okay to watch Real Housewives of Atlanta for an hour. <laughs> like, you know, it is okay that I want to decompress in this way that is not mm-hmm. super intellectual or, you know, like feeding my spirit. It's okay. Cause it, that's feeding me in some way. Um, that's being gentle with myself because, Sometimes I'm very critical with myself and I'm just like, I don't need to be watching this. I don't need to be eating this ice cream. I don't need to be, you know, all of these things that are, you know, 
not necessarily progressive, but in some ways they are for, for your mind, body, and soul, because you have to be gentle with yourself and give yourself that balance. And so that's kind of difficult for me, but especially now I've done this thing. My husband was so sweet about this. He actually built this little workspace in our dining room. He turned our, our dining room into my office basically. And so that is really important to me because what I've been expressing to him is working from home. I have been mm. unable to separate. Um, am I, you know, working from home or am I living at work? <laughs> you know, mm. it's like that. That was the thing I, I was just like struggling with because I mean, let's think about it just geographically. If I'm working on my couch but I'm also eating on my couch, decompressing on my couch, watching movies with my husband at night on my couch. It's all in literally the same location. And it's hard to separate yourself even geographically. So even just by, I, I even, you know, bought my stepmom. She was complaining about the same thing. And I, I think a lot of people are struggling with this right now. But I bought her a desk and my dad put it together because she was expressing how much, how hard it was for her working from home right now. So, you know, though that's a part of being compassionate and being gentle to myself is like allowing my husband to make turn our dining room into my workspace, <laughs> you know, because at first I was like, no, that's, you know, that's where we eat. That's and he was like, who cares? Like, you know, we eat on the couch. And um, I think that's just that's also very important because that's kind of universal. It's not just advice for writers that's just and anybody struggling right now who's working from home and I can only imagine um you know working mothers uh my best friend is working from home raising kids and I'm just like I don't know how you do it <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, I literally don't but I think if if you can create a space in your home that you can separate from the rest of the world meaning your family your leisure time your social time do so because it's very hard to separate literally separate the space in your mind yeah. physically yeah you you hit the nail on the head when you said balance you know what I mean and so trying to do this balancing act of of staying safe and staying home to work and but at the same time what time are you off like are you actually off or because you never have right. the the what previously was structurally kind of built in environmentally built in of having to physically get up and leave the house and drive to another building and and so exactly. without all of, all of those bound like those layers of boundaries that we had kind of built into yeah our lives. The boundaries. and that <laughs> that was tossed in the air that was put in the trash completely and like <laughs> as soon as you get out of bed it's like okay you're at work it's so, and that is taxing, right? Like you're, the work is already taxing, but yeah. then on top of it, waking up and not even having the space um, to kind of maneuver into your work. <laughs> the literal space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the struggle. So, you know, I love that you mentioned that your husband was able to make a space for you to be able to feel like, okay, when I'm in this space, I know that I'm working while I'm in this space. If I leave this space, that I can means separate. I'm exactly yeah. you're off or you're on a break and yeah. that just small act can really make a big difference so Huge. I think that that like you said is really key for people right now kind of dealing with everything being tossed in the air and it's like okay now you need to figure something new out you know <laughs> yeah you don't want to feel like you're, you're you're living at work every day because I I started even taking it in in the bed like I would literally be mm. in bed and thoughts are running through my mind because what is 
what is work anymore? <laughs> like, I feel like I'm constantly working. So, you know, it's easier said than done. But I think the first step is actually create literally creating space, even if it's a corner in your living room and you can get a food tray and make it into a desk. Like the smallest thing can make the biggest difference. And it just will start to at least transition, help your mind transition into separating the two. And it's, you know, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds, but we have to do everything we can in our power right now to keep saying and to keep, you know, being compassionate with ourselves. I love it. So, you know, you had mentioned briefly that you've had your own experience and you're on your own journey dealing with, you know, anxiety and depression. And a lot of the ladies listening, shoot me, myself and I (laughs) going through the same kind of things, Um, you know, for someone who's a young creative, maybe not to the extent that it's their profession, but just has creativity within them and likes to express it. Um, but maybe sometimes has trouble figuring out how that will look for them. What would you, what would you recommend for those who are kind of dealing with mental health and looking for outlets um, to just be themselves and to be able to do their own healing? What would you say? Um, I'd say lean into it. I mean, I think when, when you first discover that you're, you're having those issues, whether it be anxiety, depression, both, you, you know, our first intent is to get better. Our first, That's obviously the goal. The goal is to no longer suffer from anxiety and depression. But at a point in time, you have to realize this is chemically a part of me. This is not just based off of circumstance. This is Mm -hmm. actually something that I'm going to live with. And it's okay, because I can manage it. Now, if you're an artist, for me, I think it's and then I, you know, stated it earlier in the interview, but it's important to lean into that. That's a part of you, your individuality, your voice, a perspective. There are tons of people who can identify with that and that we don't often see reflected in art. So you have to lean into that. You have to write to that. You have to perform to that. You have to put it in your work. Um, and in terms of working through it, um, you know, that's a different story because that's, you know, uh, I, I've gone to therapy and, and tried to make sure that I have these like coping mechanisms on deck so that, you know, if I feel like I'm really having a hard time, I literally will need to leave my apartment and go take a 30 minute walk around the neighborhood. Like there are things that I have to do throughout the day that I realize have to be implemented into my status quo because I am not like, I can't treat myself like an ordinary person because I'm not, I suffer from this. And therefore to protect myself from not being productive at all, because I'm, you know, in a hole and feel like I'm just spiraled I have to do these small things that might take more time but essentially will you know be better for me in the long run thank you so much for sharing that and I forgot to mention it earlier but everybody that's listening that has heard an episode before you know we're all students here so hopefully you are taking notes if not you're gonna have to go back and listen to it again (laughs) and take some notes okay Um, thank you so much of course for dropping some gems. Where can we find you and support you? Nina? 
Hello? Let's see, Nina. I'm back. <laughs> I'm telling you this technology. I was like, I hope that I hope it didn't. I was like, my curse didn't, and it didn't save, and we're stuck all over again. You are not cursed. I have it in two different places. That's why I was like, let me get it processed a little bit. I got it in two different places, so we're good. Um, awesome. The output should be quick. I'll just ask you, you know, where we can support you, and you can let me know wherever that is. And then, yeah, and then we'll just, it will be wrapped up. Awesome. All right, let me make sure we're recording in both places. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your gems. I know that everyone listening is really going to take a lot from this because the tribe is dedicated to their personal growth. So they're going to they're going to probably be sending me screenshots and all kinds of things um, with with what they got from you. this episode. Um, let us know where we can find you and support you. Yeah, my Instagram is right her. That's W-R-I-T-E-H-E-R. And my Twitter is right her Nina, N-I-N-A. I love it. We will come over there and love on you and support you. <laughs> and thank you again. Just nothing thank but you. gratitude and love for you stopping by. It means so much. Right back at you. Thank you so much. Perfect. So awesome. <laughs> I, again, I appreciate you so much. I know that life, there's all kinds of things happening in life. So I do not take it for granted, you know, that you carved out some time to have this conversation and pour into everyone listening. I get the benefit of chatting. So I, I feel like I get the most out of it because I'm like, I get to have these fun conversations. Listen, I um, love talking with you. I loved it. Thank you. So I will make sure that when the episode goes live, um, that I send you all the links and fun stuff. Um, if you're okay with it, I'll tag you when I post on social. Yeah, of um, So that way it makes it easier for people. Also include like your bio and your links in the show notes. So it's easier for people to find you that way. Um, so yeah, it's crazy. Life is wild. <laughs> one foot in front of the other. Exactly. Exactly. All right. But I'm happy to know I have a lifeline out there, LFMNT, LMFT. Yep, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here doing what I can to, to put out the information. I'm like, I didn't go to school and spend all this money. Right. To keep this information <laughs> to myself. So No, you, know. you have to realize right now you're you're one of the angels out there. People people need people like you. Yes, as long as we're people, all doing by our people, part. I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. You know what's crazy? My cousin, she'll be like, "Well, you're the therapist in the family." I'm like, "I'm not your therapist, girl." Get I know. <laughs> That's how I am with my mom. I always am constantly texting my mom, like, "Do you think um, I'm suffering from?" <laughs> my mom's like, "No." 
<laughs> you're good. You're good. No, I'm kidding. But um, that's what I'm here for. And if you're ever in Vegas, you know where to find me. But I do appreciate, you know, just your willingness to chat and and pour into the ladies listening. So I know I'm not the only one share so I like sharing the platform and making space for stories to be told um, that are really helping people to get their lives together and have hope and all that stuff during this yeah, time definitely well thank you for having me of course have a good evening you too um, and I will follow up with you via email awesome thank you <laughs> bye all right bye bye